Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is Hebrews, the 10th chapter, where my Bible is opened up. And I'll invite you to be finding Hebrews chapter 10 as well. I'm going to read one verse there in just a moment that will introduce all the things that we want to talk about for these next few minutes as we return to our preaching theme for 2019 on growing and increasing. That is, we're just looking at what the Word of God has to say and how the Word of God helps us in the area of spiritual growth. And we'll be very focused in the kind of spiritual growth that we're talking about this morning. As you're turning to Hebrews chapter 10, we'll echo the welcome that Adam extended to you a little bit earlier. It is great to see everybody today. Glad to have a number of guests uh, in attendance with us today. We appreciate so much your presence and it is just a nice change of pace to not come in, in rain today. Instead, to get to come and to drive over here and see some sunshine. And the truth is, whether it's raining or whether it's sunny or snow or sleet or whatever it is, on this day, the Lord's Day, it's a good day regardless of what the weather is because we're here in God's house with God's people doing God's things. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, a very familiar passage I'm going to assume to many of us, the writer says in verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 10... He says there, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. About nine rows back on the left-hand side of this auditorium sits a white binder, and inside that white binder are pages and pages and pages of spreadsheets that look a little something like this. And on that spreadsheet is the names of every member and really every regular here at the Lakeside Church of Christ. At around the midway point of every service, Brother Adam or Brother Derek, they go stand at the rear of this auditorium and they, just as Adam is doing right now, they survey over the room and they go through and they then take, they take attendance. They take roll, if you will, of everybody who's here and everybody who's not here. And what you'll find is that as that attendance is taken, in fact, if you were to just pull out those sheets and look at them, you'll find that beside everybody's name is either a check mark indicating that you are present or an X indicating that you were absent today. And in fact, there are several white binders just like that one downstairs on the bookshelf in the resource room, which I think is like 20 years worth of attendance records that date back all the way to the beginning of this particular congregation And as far as I know and as far as I would be concerned, I think anybody is allowed to go and look at that and you peruse that and go and look at those attendance records. And in fact, I would even encourage you to do that because what happens is is when you just see your name in print and you start going through and you start looking at the record of your attendance, in many ways when you look at those habits, sometimes you can find some surprising things. Because for some, what you'll find is you'll just find check mark after check mark, after check mark, after check mark, with very rare exception, they're just here all of the time. Every time the doors are open, they are present. For others, though, eh, not so much. The number of X's on those sheets tends to exceed and far outnumber the number of check marks on those sheets because for some folks it's just a struggle to be here and to be consistent in their attendance at worship. Now, the question that I have as I think about that, and you think about how where folks are in different places and all that, the question I have is, well, well, why is that? Why are we not all on the same page when it comes to assembling? Now, we all know and believe what Hebrews 10.25 says, right? 
We all know and understand about the importance of assembling together. So my question is, why are we not all doing that? And the truth is, that's not just a question that would be unique here. It's a question that could be asked in any congregation. Because practically every church of any size is going to have issues with their members as it pertains to church attendance. And so I'm really interested in finding out why that is. What is the reason that some folks are here for every worship service, every Bible class, every gospel meeting, every special event, and then others? Others are not. Well, I've thought about that a lot. And, And I think there are at least a couple of big variables that really help to dis- explain that that disparity, if you will. And here's the first of those. The first thought is that there are just wildly different levels of spiritual understanding, spiritual development, and spiritual maturity within this room, even within this congregation. That's the way it's always been, and really that's the way it's always going to be. Think about it. There's always going to be New Christians, maybe brand new Christians, maybe people who've come completely out of the world or they've come out of denominational thinking and they just don't know a whole lot about God's pattern for the church or how the Lord wants and desires to fill your week up with worship and being involved with the people of God. Some people just don't get that. On the other hand, there are people who, they kind of grew up in this. They were raised in the church, so to speak. They've been doing this their whole life. And so it's just natural behavior. It's almost an instinct for them to come here and to be here every time those doors are open. There are some people in this congregation who read and study their Bible every single day. They pray regularly. They sing hymns to God in their home. They are continually feeding their soul with spiritual nourishment. And so for them, the anticipation of getting together with like-minded people to worship God on Sunday or to get together in the middle of the week to study the Bible, the thought of that just overwhelms them emotionally. Whereas others, others are just so busy, they're just so tied up with all the things going on in their life that, that they barely get any time for God. They don't do anything for the Lord during the week. In fact, they're starving spiritually. So when you think about all that, we're just... We're kind of all over the place when it comes to our varying levels of spiritual maturity within this church. In fact, if we were to just kind of plot on a graph where everybody is in their spiritual development, if I asked you to rank yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 as to where you are spiritually, 1 being kind of the the least mature to 10 being the most mature, and if we were to then kind of put all that and put a bunch of dots on a graph, what would that look like? It would look like the measles. Because we would just have folks everywhere. We'd have folks that would be high and low and left and right. And just everywhere. And that's because that's just the reality of human beings. That's the reality of what it is to be a Christian. But here's the second thing. It's not just this idea that kind of causes some issues with church attendance. There's a second thing I want us to think about. And as soon as I put this up on the screen, there's going to be some folks here who are just going to say, come on, that's just an excuse. That's just an excuse not to come to church. And look. I'm not here to tell anybody this morning what is or what is not an acceptable reason to not be here at services. I'm just simply trying to just lay out some facts about the realities of what it is that we have to deal with. That we do have differing levels of spiritual maturity, but secondly, we have differing levels of personal circumstances. Everybody here is dealing with different stuff in their life. For example... 
There are some people here who have no kids. There are other people here who have bunches of kids. There are people here who are retired. And there are people here who are going to have to get up at 4 a.m. tomorrow morning in order to go to work. There are people here who feel healthy and great and vibrant. There are people here who do not feel great. And they don't feel healthy. And they don't feel vibrant. They ache and have pain in their body regularly. There are people here who live two miles away from the church building. And there are people here who live about an hour away from the church building. There are people here who are genuinely and doctrinally and and diagnosedly, they are clinically depressed. And there are people here who've never even heard that word before. We have people with all manner of differing life circumstances. And if I were to just ask you again right now on a scale of 1 to 10, based on your personal life circumstances, how's your life going? 1 being the, 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 the kind of the best and 10 being the worst of how hard my life is, what would that look like on a chart? Once again, it'd just be a big bunch of dots everywhere. We'd have people in all kinds of places. There'd be some folks down here kind of cruising out of one. Hey, things are going pretty good in my life. Things are smooth sailing. Everything's going well for me. And then there'd be other people, they'd be at 10. In fact, they'd be wondering why it doesn't go up to 38 or 40. That's about how bad my life's going. Now, folks, I'm going to say once again, that, that's real. That is the reality of just people. And it does factor into our discussion when we start talking about church attendance. Now, having set those two realities before your mind this morning, can I show you where things start to get interesting? I have found that whenever I go and talk to somebody who has been irregular in their attendance, or maybe I send somebody a message and I say, Hey, missed you the last couple of weeks at services. Or, hey, I noticed that you've, you've not been coming to Bible class. Or, hey, I've been concerned that we've only been seeing you on just some kind of some sporadic and random Sunday mornings anymore. Well, what's going on, brother? You know, well, what's the situation, sister? It's been my observation, and maybe you've noticed this as well, that when you go to that brother or that sister and they then begin to open up their mouth and explain why they haven't been here, What I have found is that that explanation usually revolves around... Can you guess it? Can you guess which of those two? Usually the explanation revolves around that. It revolves around my personal circumstances. It's all wrapped up, 99% of the time, it's wrapped up in this is what's going on in my life. You know, things have been pretty hectic at work. Or, you know, just got a lot going on at home, some things going on in my family. Or, you know, just just been not feeling all that great lately. Or, you know, here's some things happening in my life that, that you and others just don't really understand. And there's just all these life circumstances that just get rattled off and just kind of cataloged. Very rarely, when you go and ask somebody, Hey, been missing you at services lately. Why, why haven't we seen you lately? Very rarely will someone just come out and say it. Well, I'll just tell you, Josh, it's because I'm not as spiritually mature as I ought to be. Very rarely will you hear somebody say that. One time in my life can I remember where somebody, pretty much, not in those exact words, but pretty much that's what they acknowledge that they needed to work on. They needed to work on their own spiritual development. Now, having said that, I certainly don't want to negate the validity of having some personal life circumstances and how those things do play a role in our ability to be here on a regular basis. 
But what I do want to say to you this morning is that many times in our discipleship, we end up putting way too much emphasis on these things. On these life circumstances, we attribute our shortcomings or we attribute our lack of commitment to the Lord on things that really is not the real culprit. Many times what we need to do is we need to focus on what may be the real problem here, and that is spiritual immaturity. Can I show you a passage that I think is really helpful in all this? Look in James chapter 1. If you're here in Hebrews, just it's just not a far cry over to James. In James chapter 1, James says some things about what happens when your life has some of these personal circumstances. What what do you do when you deal with some of this tough stuff in life? Stuff that all of us deal with to some degree. Well, what do you do with that? James chapter 1, look in verse 2. James says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. James 1 verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How many of us understand that part of your spiritual growth is that whenever life is less than ideal, that you need to find a way to overcome it with the grace and the help of God. That's what James chapter 1 is talking about. That instead of letting my my work schedule, or instead of letting the things going on in my family, or instead of letting these other mitigating circumstances in my life to take me away from God, what I need to be doing is I need to decide that I'm going to face those challenges head on with the help of God and overcome them. Now, I am certainly aware, and I want to just kind of say this up front, I know that sometimes our life circumstances, that they can be prohibitive. For example, some people's health just does not allow them to get out and to be here. To be here either on a regular basis or even to be here at all anymore. And I understand about that. The Lord does too. I realize that some people's job requires them to maybe work on a Wednesday night. Here maybe they've, I've tried to, to work this schedule around, try to get it changed, try to get it fixed, but it's really kind of outside the scope of my control. And after all their efforts, they can't get it changed. I understand about that. But you need to know this morning, those are not the kind of circumstances that I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are all those other circumstances. Those circumstances that can be addressed. I'm talking about those kinds of trials that James says can be used to Build endurance, verse 3. And when we build that endurance, ultimately, verse 4, it brings about completeness. It brings about perfection. He's talking there about spiritual maturity. Isn't it ironic that some of the very reasons that we give for our inconsistency in our Christian walk, not just in attendance, but just in our Christian walk in general, that some of the reasons that we give for our inconsistency in those ways... God has actually allowed those things to be in our life in order to build greater consistency. In other words, you use this to help with this. You don't use that as an excuse for that. That's not the way that that works. Which is why this morning, I really don't want to stand up here and talk about all of the various trials and all the various difficulties and all the varying personal circumstances that people face that keep them from coming to worship. Instead, I want to talk about how we need to allow those circumstances to work within us so that we can mature, 
to the point of being faithful to the Lord, and specifically this morning to being faithful in our worship. That's really the part of the equation that we can control. You stop and think about it. This over here, most of the stuff on this side, I can't control. Most of the stuff is completely beyond my scope of what I'm able to control. But this, my spiritual development, I do have a say in that. I do have control over that. In fact, the Bible says so. If you're still here in this same little section of the Bible, go back to Hebrews again. Would you look in Hebrews 5? In Hebrews chapter 5, I imagine this is a passage that before this year is over, talking about this particular theme of growth, I imagine we will read this passage many times. In Hebrews chapter 5, the Hebrew writer says that there's the possibility, and he warns us here, there's the possibility that you can become less spiritually mature. And when that happens, that can affect you in a lot of different ways. In Hebrews chapter 5, I'm reading here beginning in verse 11, concerning this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk, not solid food. You've not progressed. You've You've regressed. Verse 13, For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Before you say, well, you know, you know, I, I used to be really faithful in my attendance. I, I used to just be just so excited to come to worship. Used to be there. I was like the first person at the door every time services was happening. I, I used to be really plugged in. I used to be really involved in what was going on in the assemblies of the church. But, but I don't do that anymore. In fact, I'm really not able to do that anymore because, well, because life got so hard. Stop right there. Stop right there. Let's back that up a little bit. Back that up because this, many times this really isn't the explanation. What really happens many times is that this over here, this spiritual maturity thing, this gets neglected. This gets the shaft and as a result our attendance at worship doesn't become as of high importance as maybe as it once was. That's why the Hebrew writer goes on in chapter 6 and verse 1 to say we need to press on to maturity. That is, let's work on growing forward. Let's grow spiritually and let's see how that growth helps us to be more committed and faithful to the Lord. In fact, would you drop on down to verse 9? We sometimes read those first few verses of chapter 6 and all that stuff about growth, but we don't keep reading. And I think these other verses connect with this thought. In verse 9 of chapter 6, the writer says, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you. And things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you've shown toward His name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. The first lesson in this series last month, I talked about that if we're going to gear up for growth, that requires diligence. Be diligent to grow. The same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Let me be very clear this morning. I do not preach on church attendance very often. In fact, I usually only preach on it once a year. And I should tell you as well that I am not the attendance police. 
I'm not going to tell you this morning that if you miss X number of services, you're going to go to hell. That's, that's not what I'm preaching and that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying though, and I will say this without any hesitation, is that every Christian in this room must grow in their walk with the Lord. Of that there can be no doubt. Whenever you are on, wherever you are on this spectrum of spiritual maturity, maybe you're down here, maybe you're up here, maybe you're somewhere in the middle, wherever you are, you are someone, verse 9, that we are convinced of better things. And so instead of trying to justify something that I'm not doing, maybe what I need to do is I need to be diligent and I need to be figuring out how I can do better, how I can grow how I can be more of what the Lord wants me to be. That's it's really kind of a revolutionary way of looking at this subject, isn't it? Which is actually why I want to spend these last couple of minutes helping us to just maybe kind of rethink, rethink our whole approach to this issue of church attendance. What I want to do is I want to share with you three things that when you mature and when you grow in your appreciation of these three things, then the more faithful you will become in worship. And somebody's maybe thinking, well, Josh, that, that's kind of making a big promise there. You will become more faithful if you grow in these things. Well, listen, you will. That's the way growth works. When you grow, you change. That's how it works physically. When you grow physically, things about you change. And so it is spiritual. That's the natural result. Spiritual growth brings about change. And that's why, if I could actually just go back for a second... That's why I'm not focusing over here on the right-hand side of the equation this morning. Sometimes people will say things like, well, you know what, if, 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 if my circumstances at work, if, if, if those would change, boy, I, I, things would just turn out a whole lot better. If my kids' school activities, if some of those things, if those things could be changed, then, then that would make things better. You know, if these other life circumstances, if those things could decrease, then my church attendance most certainly would increase. Usually, folks... That is not the case. In fact, usually what happens is when these things decrease, well, that just gives me more time to do other fun stuff that I really want to do. And so if you think that the idea of life getting easier, that that's what increases your level of commitment to the Lord and to the Lord's people, then you're really just mistaken. You're you're really just fooling yourself. It's not the life circumstances that need to change. Those life circumstances that I'll remind you once again, many times we cannot control those things. It's this over here. It's our spiritual maturity. That's what needs to be worked on because that can be changed. And that's what I'm putting the focus on this morning. Three areas that need our attention. Wherever you are in your spiritual development, these are three things all of us need to grow deeper and stronger and better in. And I'm not simply asking you this morning to just acknowledge these three things and say, yep, yep, that's exactly right. I believe that. No, 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 no. I'm asking you to probe and ask within yourself. Am I growing in my appreciation of these things? Am I maturing in these things? Because when you do, you will be more faithful in worship. Like this first and probably most obvious thing, are you growing in your appreciation for the worship of God? Now, not coincidentally, that word worship, that is where we end up getting our English word worship. Do you understand the worship of God? Now, nobody here fully appreciates who God is. 
none of us, none of us really can fully appreciate that. To comprehend fully the greatness of an all-powerful God who knows all and sees all and He's all around us all of the time, that, well, that would be a level of spiritual maturity that, let's be honest, none of us are ever going to be able to attain to in this life. It's just too much for our feeble minds to be able to fully grasp. But as we grow in our comprehension of just how worthy our God is, of how worthy He is of our voice, and of our mind, and of our heart, and of our attention, and of our devotion, when we grow in that, then we will commit ourselves more fervently to drawing near to His throne. I'm going to have the attitude that says, hey, God's people are going to be coming together to worship today. I'm going to be there. God is so worthy. I'm going to be there. Are you still in Hebrews? Would you look in chapter 12? In Hebrews chapter 12, instead of piling up a bunch of verses this morning about how great God is, I'm going to just kind of hope and expect that you already know that. Instead, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just try and create and paint a picture in your mind of what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 12 about Mount Zion. Now, sometimes Mount Zion is talked about in the Bible in terms of heaven as in the sense of someday we'll get to go there and to be there. Someday we'll get to be at Mount Zion. But I am convinced that the description of Mount Zion here in Hebrews chapter 12, that it is something that we are able to approach by the eye of faith, that we are able to approach that mountain today. In Christ's church, we can come to this mountain. That whenever we gather together to worship God, we are joining countless other souls at the foot of that mountain to exalt the worship of our Creator. Think about what that would be like. And think about what your response would be as we read these verses. In Hebrews chapter 12, begin here in verse 22. In Hebrews 12 verse 22, But you, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. For if those who did not escape when they refused Him were who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from Him who warns from heaven. Verse 26, And His voice shook the earth. Verse 27, this, excuse me, keep on verse 26. His voice shook the earth then, but now He has promised saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Verse 28. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let me just ask you, what would you do if you were at the base of a quaking mountain and the Lord invited you up into that mountain, and as you came up into that mountain, you found that you were then surrounded by Christians, just multitudes upon multitudes of Christians who are also there. And you start looking around and who else do you see? You see angels there. And you see the spirits of the righteous who have gone on before. And you see as well, there's Jesus the Son. And then you look and behold, there is God. There is the Father on His throne. And not only that, but there is smoke. 
and there is fire. And the Lord's voice as He speaks, it shook the earth. What would you do in that moment? i tell you what I'm doing. I'm falling on my face. I am down on the ground. And I am praising Him. And I am thanking Him for this opportunity to be in His presence. I'm thinking about how awesome and how worthy our God is. Can I tell you something? That's not a picture of where we're going. That's a picture of where we are. We are on that mountain right now. We are in the presence of the Father and the Son, are we not? When we gather in this building... We have collected ourselves with fellow saints, with fellow righteous spirits. And we are here to sing to Him, to pray to Him, to listen to Him. Did you think about that? Did you notice that there in verse 25? Refuse not Him who is speaking. Spiritual maturity is when you are able to see that. You're able to see that mountain picture. You're able to see that right there from the pew where you're sitting. And as a result, you look forward to that. You look forward to the occasions when you could come at this mountain, so to speak. You can come again and again and again and again to extol and praise the Creator who is worthy above all. How many How many of you, if you knew that there was a mountain and God was going to meet with anybody who wanted to come there, God was going to meet with those people at 6 p.m. this evening, How many of you would not go to that mountain? Nobody. We would all go there. None of us would say, nah, 6 o'clock, you know. My favorite TV show comes on at 6. I'm not going to go to that. I think I'd rather kind of get an early nap in preparation for my sleep this evening. I think I'd rather go, you know, eat a TV dinner. No! You would come to that mountain because God is so worthy and you wouldn't want to miss out. Now that... That idea there, that actually is more than enough motivation to motivate us to be faithful in our worship. The worship of God. If that's the only thing the Scriptures told us about worship, that would be more than enough to get us here and to keep us here regularly and consistently. But it's not the only thing that the Scripture shows us. Can I show you a second thing that happens whenever we come to this mountain? That passage in Hebrews chapter 12, I was already kind of alluded to it, But when we grow in our appreciation for the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ, then regularly attending the services of the local church, it's just going to become a priority in our life. Would you go back to that passage that we started with in Hebrews chapter 10? In Hebrews chapter 10, I'm never really comfortable with just isolating verse 25 and talking about it by itself as if it doesn't have a context around it. There is a context around Hebrews 10.25. This passage is about a whole lot more than you need to come to church. This passage is about how God's people need to be with God's people. Did you know that? Now I'm sure, before we read this passage, I'm sure that there is somebody, somebody out there, I've never met this person yet, but I'm going to just bet that there is somebody out there who is just some super-duper awesome Christian. They've just got it so together. They are so strong. And they are so spiritually mature that you know what? They just don't really need the encouragement that comes from a Wednesday night Bible study. They just really don't need that. They're just kind of above that. 
And I'm sure as well that that same Christian who's just so amazingly, wonderfully devoted to the Lord in all of his or her ways, I'm pretty sure that that person, they just don't really feel the need to come back out for a second service on Sunday in order to bring them closer to the Lord. I mean, come on, they're already as close to the Lord as you can get. Why do they need to come a second time on Sunday? Now, I'm going to tell you, I've never met that guy or that gal. But if that guy or that gal does exist... Even so, they are still lacking in this department. Because God's plan is for His children to share together in something so special that we just love and we look forward to doing those things together. That we have a fellowship in spiritual things. And that is why the Hebrew writer just repeatedly in this passage uses the phrase, Let us. Could you notice it with me? Back up in Hebrews 10, look in verse 19. In Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Notice that. Let us. It's not let me hold the confession of my faith. No. It's let us. I want you to help me in that. I need you to help me in that. I need you to go to God with me. I need you to join me as we sing to God, as we pray to God, as we commune with the Lord. Verse 24, and let us, let us consider how to stir one another up, to stimulate one another, to love and to good deeds. Now, somebody maybe is thinking right here is talking about all this stuff for other people. Well, does that mean that, that worship doesn't do something for me? No, worship does do something for me. There is something that I get out of that. There are benefits that we gain personally. But I'm going to tell you this. If my decision to come to worship if it is based primarily and maybe even solely on what's in it for me, what that does for me, that the deciding factor when I'm thinking today of, "Eh, should I go or should I not go? If that decision comes down to what do I get out of that, then I'm going to tell you, brother or sister, you have a long way to go in your spiritual maturity. Because that's not primarily what this is about. First and foremost, this is about God. It's about exalting and praising Him and His worthiness at the foot of His mountain. But then secondly, right behind it, is this stuff in Hebrews chapter 10 about my need to be with God's people and encourage and do something for them, for others. When's the last time when you were debating on, should I go today or should I not go today? When's the last time that when you were thinking about that, that the determining factor in your mind was, hmm, what is my presence or what is my absence going to mean to to Susan? When's the last time you thought about that? Or pick anybody else in the congregation. I love Susan. Susan's my friend. Me and Susan's trying to go to heaven. We're trying to help each other to go to heaven. I try to think about that. I try to think about that in relation to everybody in this room. What is my relationship to them? What are we trying to do together? I think we're trying to go to heaven. So I want to be there to help those people to go to heaven. And in turn, they're going to help me in our quest to go to heaven. I can't just immediately just shut that off and eliminate that from my mind. Somehow just think that, well, you know, this just really isn't that important for me. She's not that important for me to come on account of her. No! 
I don't want to have that kind of a negative effect on Susan or anybody else. I want her and I want others to feel like there is stability amongst God's people. Which is why the Hebrew writer then goes on to say in verse 25, that it's not merely about whether you're at church. It's about whether or not you really care about the benefit of your brothers and your sisters. That's what this is about. Verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want to know how I can encourage you all the more. Not how I can encourage you less. And that's why when folks look at Hebrews 10.25 and then they go on to verse 26 where it talks about if we go on sinning willfully. Sometimes people say, well, you know what, that's the sin. That's the sin of verse 25. Forsaking the assembly, that's the sin. But really, that's not accurate. That's not really what the sin is here. The sin that's being addressed here in verse 25 is I don't really care about my brethren. That's what the sin is. The sin is I really don't care about them. I don't care if they needed me there on Sunday to sing with them and to stir them up in that way. I don't care if they needed me there on Wednesday night to participate in that that, that community Bible study with one another. I don't really care if they needed me to give them that encouraging word before services or to provide that listening ear after services. I don't care about them. i got stuff i got to do. That. That is the sin and that's what's being warned about in this passage. Which is why what we need is we need to grow. We need to grow in our love and our appreciation for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to grow in our service toward one another. We need to grow deeper in our relationships with God's family. Because when we mature in how we think and in how we feel toward our brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm going to tell you greater faithfulness to our assembling together, that's just naturally. It's naturally going to follow. I won't have to be prodded, my arm twisted. No, that's just going to be a natural outgrowth of growing in my appreciation for them. Which brings us into this final idea this morning. Because while I said a moment ago that worship is not primarily about you, it is about you some. When we get it in its appropriate order, worship is about you. And that's what this third idea addresses. Because when you grow in your appreciation for the preciousness of your time, then the more eager you will be to attend the gatherings of God's people faithfully. We've been here in Hebrews and James the whole time. Let's step out of that. Look in Ephesians 5, one final passage today. In Ephesians chapter 5, here's a passage that discusses the, the preciousness of time and how it is that we need to treat it as a precious commodity. In Ephesians chapter 5, this is verses 15 and 16. In Ephesians 5 and verse 15 and 16, Paul writes there, Therefore... Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That seems to indicate some some growing, growing to a point of wisdom. Well, how so? Verse 16, making the most of your time, making the best use of your time, other translations say, because the days are evil. Time is passing swiftly, Paul says. And it is uncertain how much of it that you possess, how much of it remains for you. And so you need to be careful with it. Now, of course, if you're not a spiritual person, then this idea of making the most of your time just means, 
Well, I need to get out on the lake and I, get some, I need to get some more fishing trips in. That would be making the most of my time. I want to maximize what I've got to do all kinds of fun stuff. But if you're a spiritually minded person, if you're a person who's seeking to grow in your spiritual maturity, then that verse ought to mean something else entirely. Well, what exactly would that mean? Well, would you look in the verses that follow? Because in the five verses that follow, what you will find are five things that are deserving of our time. Five things that we need to devote some serious time to. So, for example, verse 17. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's number one. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Number two. So then, or excuse me, verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. There's number three, verse 20. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Number four, now number five, verse 21. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Did you notice those five things that we need to be doing in those five verses? Number one, need to be understanding what the will of the Lord is. Number two, I need to be filled with the Spirit. Number three, I need to be singing and making melody to the Lord in my heart. Number four, I need to be giving thanks to the Father. And then number five, I need to be subject, be submitting to other believers. Those are five things that a spiritually minded person is going to be filling their time up with. They're going to be seeking to grow and excel in those five ways. Wouldn't it be great? Because those five things, those would require a lot of your time. Wouldn't it be great though? If there was somewhere that you could go, and from the moment you just walked into the building, you could focus on doing all five of those things in the same place and in the same setting, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be really efficient? I like being efficient with my time. Wouldn't that be going to bang out five birds with one stone? Wouldn't it be great if there was such a place as that? Well, hold your hats. Because we do all five of those things every time that we come together in this place. Think about that. For, what, roughly four hours every week, we have the opportunity to recognize the preciousness of our time by doing those five things whenever we assemble together as the people of God. Now, not all five of those things are are limited to the walls of the church building and what we do together. You can do some of those things on your own. You can do some of those things out during the week. You can do some of them, but you can't do all of them by yourself. But you know what? I know of a place and I know of a time where I can do all five of those things. In fact, do all five of those things tonight at 6 o'clock. I can do all five of those things Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I can do all five of those things with you on the mountain of God. When we come to understand the value of each and every passing minute and how that time is given to us in order to prepare us for timelessness, to prepare us for eternity, then I believe that that helps us to prioritize these gatherings and these assemblies as being of high importance in our lives. Now, as I look at that list of those three things, the truth is... We didn't break any new ground by pointing those three things out. 
There's not some new revelation in there that you're going to have to go home and really think about and meditate upon deeply and try to understand that. No, we understand all those things. Those are three basic concepts that everybody here, I believe, already knows. The question this morning is, are you growing in those things? Are you growing in your appreciation for those things? Are you maturing in your appreciation for God, for God's people, and yes, even for your own time? And that certainly does help the person who is irregular in their worship habits. And that maybe is kind of the focus this morning. But can I say as well, to those of you that are 100% attenders, you're here every single time, and maybe you think this lesson doesn't even apply to you, can I say to you that those are three areas that all of us want to continue to grow in? In fact, I should just say that just because you are here 100% of the time, that in and of itself does not necessarily mean that you are spiritually mature. Because it's not just being in the pew that counts. It's being in the pew But it's also about engaging our hearts and engaging our minds as we study together, as we worship together, as we do the things that God has given us to do. And it is my belief that if we all are growing in these three areas, then yes, we're going to be faithful in our attendance at worship. We're going to be faithful in how we worship. And that then is just going to spill over to how we live our life. We're going to be faithful in all ways in our life because we're pressing on to spiritual maturity. Now, as we prepare to sing the song of invitation, as we extend the invitation of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we do want to encourage you to think about taking some significant steps in your spiritual maturity. If you have never confessed your faith in Jesus Christ as God's Son, if you've never repented and turned from sin, if you have never been immersed in water, buried with Christ in the waters of baptism, then you ought to do that. The Bible teaches that you ought to do that. You need to do that. God is worthy of your obedience. And He desires to add you to the fellowship of His family. And yes, thirdly, time is fleeting. It's, it's just it's, So much time has passed just since I've been standing up here. Time is fleeting, which is why you need to act upon whatever faith that you have today. And we're ready to assist you this very hour in rendering your obedience to the gospel. If you are a Christian, but maybe you've not been growing as you ought to, you've not been as faithful as you ought to be, maybe you've just let your brothers and sisters down, you've let the Lord down, maybe you let yourself down in some way, then you need to repent of that, brother or sister. Let us encourage you, pray with you, and help you in whatever way that we can so that we can all grow in the direction of heaven. We can be with our Lord someday on that eternal mountain. You're subject to the invitation of Jesus in any way this morning. Would you simply come to the front and make your wishes known? Do that right now while we stand and while we sing.